Say goodbye to your credit card rewards. Greedy corporate mega stores, led by Walmart and Target, are pushing for a law in Congress to take away your hard-earned cash back and travel points to line their pockets. The Durbin Marshall Credit Card Bill would enact harmful credit card routing mandates that would end credit card rewards as we know it. If you love your credit card rewards, tell your lawmakers, hands off my rewards. Tell them to oppose the Durbin Marshall Credit Card Bill. Get ready, Ohio. FanDuel, America's number one sports book, is coming to the Buckeye State. And to kick things off, you can get started with $100 in free bets as an early sign-up bonus. Plus, when you sign up today with promo code OHIOFD, you'll be all set when FanDuel goes live in Ohio. Then you can bet on all your favorite teams in all your favorite sports with $100 in free bets. Just download FanDuel's top-rated sportsbook app. It's safe, secure, and super easy to use. Ohio, this is your chance to get in on the action. Join today with promo code OHIOFD. Make every moment more with FanDuel, official sportsbook partner of the NFL. 21 or older and present in Ohio. Bonus issued in non-withdrawable free bets that expire seven days after FanDuel accepts its first real money sports wager in Ohio. one Unique user identity verification required. Offer ends on the go-live date. Restrictions apply. See terms at sportsbook.fanduel.com. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER. Introducing the Lowe's List for Innovation. While our aisles are filled with innovative products, we've selected our favorites just for you. Like the exclusive Whirlpool washer with industry-first two-in-one removable agitator. We love this washer because you can customize any load. And with other smart features to streamline your laundry routine, this product is a must-have for families. Shop the full Lowe's list of top picks at Lowe's.com. Lowe's, home to any budget, home to any possibility. U.S. only. All right, it's film study, and it's time for Know Your Foe. Is there any game that's as exciting as this game this weekend? Monday Night Football, the Ravens got to go to L.A. Then you add on top of it that uh, Marcus Peters was acquired and really changed the Ravens' defense, acquired from the Rams. You add that Eric Weddle is now on the Rams. You add that Brandon Cooks may be returning for the Rams. You look at what uh, Aaron Donald's doing for the Rams. I mean, this is an exciting game and the star of the night the guy who's now becoming the face of the nfl is lamar jackson so it's a huge game for them to promote it's a huge weekend for the ravens another statement game coming up i feel like every game is a statement game so let's talk about it let's get in we're going to get cameron de silva on the phone and talk about the Rams, and how they may try to stop Lamar Jackson and what the Ravens need to be expecting from this uh, pretty good defense out there as well. Let's get him on the phone. We're here with Cameron DeSilva, Rams Wire. Let's see if he's what's. Cameron, thanks for joining us to have this uh, deep dive into the Rams for Ravens fans. We really appreciate this and all the Know Your Foe guests. Hey, thanks for having me. I appreciate you t- having me on. Now, you, you mentioned the, the linkage with USA Today via Rams Wire. Where else do you write or where can people find your work? Uh, I also uh, write for Sportsbook Wire. Um, that's part of the USA Today network as well, just writing on um, kind of trends and, uh, and betting advice for, uh, for the NFL and for college football. 
All right. You you a math gambling guy or what kind of gambling guy are you then? No, I mean, yeah, I get, I get into the trends and uh, kind of get into that a little bit. Um, don't do much gambling myself, but um, I do like to give some people advice on uh, where I think the good bets are uh, each week. All right. Very good. We've been having a little discussion here. It's, it's come up recently. Lamar Jackson now at seven to five. Seems like not an attractive enough price anymore, but... Pat Mahomes at 19 to 1 on UK books seems pretty exciting, relatively speaking. Oh, yeah. Yeah. I mean, Lamar Jackson had his odds uh, skyrocket after that first game, and I was a little hesitant because it was against the Dolphins, but um, he's turned out to be the real deal for the uh, in the MVP race this year. There you go. All right. Well, we want to make sure we dive into the Rams here. And, and let's start with just some general questions. What changes have you seen in the Rams as the season has progressed? And I don't want to direct the conversation. You kind of just tell us the story of the 2019 Rams. Yeah. So, I mean, we've seen some changes um, from last year to this year in a big way, um, just basically with uh, with the success that they're having offensively or, or kind of the lack thereof. Um, last year, it was um, it was a lot of 11 personnel and, and we saw a lot of pre-snap motion, which was not new to the NFL, but it was something that teams didn't necessarily um, know how to um, adjust to with the Rams. But this year, they've kind of gotten away from that a little bit. Um, they've gotten away from the play action a little bit, which was a big part of the offense. And uh, and it, it, it's just um, the offense has has taken a hit because of it. Jared Goff is, is struggling. Um, he's not getting the protection that he got last year from his offensive line. That was a big part of the uh, – of the success of the offense. And um, it just hasn't been there this year. Um, I think some of the biggest changes have come on defense with Jalen Ramsey coming over, replacing Marcus Peters, as you know, um, Troy Hill has taken over for a keep to who was traded. Mikel Roby Coleman has stayed there um, as the nickel corner. Um, but really the defensive changes have, have been um, kind of in the secondary. John Johnson is out now. Um, Eric Weddle has stepped in as the starter coming over from the Ravens. Um, Taylor Rapp, their first round or second round pick, has uh, stepped into a starting role. Um, and, and really with the injury to, uh, to Bryce Hager at linebacker, they've gone to more of a um, hybrid kind of three safety defense where they have Marquis Christian, Taylor Rapp, and Eric Weddle on the field most of the time, to be honest. And, and That's... Really- let me stop you on that. That's a that's a, a dime defense, or I know that they, they played a lot of cover three. They're not playing three deep safeties, right? No, nope. That's more of just a dime defense, um, really just getting six defensive backs on the field, one linebacker, and then um, the, the, the big guys up front, the five rushers. Um, so really they've transitioned to that, getting away from kind of the traditional 3-4 defense, and it's worked well. Um, the defense has really taken a step forward since going to that. Okay, a couple questions come up, come to mind from that. First of all, Eric Weddle, obviously Baltimore fans still very interested in, in his progress career-wise. And you mentioned him stepping in for he was not the starter all year. Is that no, is that- no, no? What, what I meant was he was replacing Lamarcus Joyner, um, coming over as a free agent, stepping in as a starter. Got it. Okay. Yep. Question, question number two is the Ramsey Peters thing. Now, this is something obviously we followed closely, but Peters had a rap of being a bad gambler. You know, in terms of mm-hmm. things that were going on, I, I, you know, my analysis really says otherwise. But looking at the at the the relative draft capital exchanged in these two trades, I'd estimate the Peters was traded for approximately four to seven percent of the draft capital. And obviously, what's the the variable there is where you think the Rams will draft the next couple of years. Okay. Mm-hmm. 
because what does to, to make you know put a valuation on his picks four to seven percent of the draft capital that Ramsey was acquired for and I know there was a cap savings involved with Peters and and you know, seven million something like that am I in the right ballpark yep yep okay so give me an idea of what the Rams might have been thinking making that move so I, I was a little bit confused by the move um, just because Peters was really having his best season yet as a member of the team um, it came down to cap savings, as we saw with with Talib. They traded him essentially with a draft pick for cap savings, almost like a Brock Osweiler type thing. Yeah. Um, so really, they are strapped for money, and they know they're going to need it. Um, so they're using the money that they're going to be able to roll over from um, Talib and Peters with the cap savings that they're getting immediately. Both of them were going to be free agents anyway. So in a way, with Peters, they kind of figured, why not trade this guy now? Um, maybe get a little bit of draft capital back. You get Kenny Young um, and, and you get rid of a guy who was going to walk most likely in the uh, in the offseason anyway. Um, but really, I think it came down to the confidence that they have in Troy Hill, who's stepped up as a starter. Um, he's done a nice job. And then um, they have David Long, who's a who's a rookie. He's, he played a little bit more um, this past weekend uh, against the Bears. So we're seeing a little bit of a, a changing of the guard in the secondary. And then they're going to use that money that they saved with Peters to kind of, I, th- I thought they were going to pay Ramsey um, right away, but that hasn't been the case yet. Um, but I, I think kind of all this money is just going to go push towards Ramsey um, at some point this season or after the year. Okay. So they, they have at a minimum a 26 game rental on Ramsey, I believe. And it's however many games plus 16 next year. Yep. But the question that comes up about the Rams from my point of view is they had, have now, has it been five consecutive years now? They'll be without a number one draft pick, including the two trades for the Ramsey. Yep. So it'll be okay. 17, 18 and 19. And then um, the next two years, 20 and 21. Yep. So okay. five years, the next okay. first rounder is 2022. Okay. So they're in that situation in terms of draft capital, which obviously is, is highly constraining. But then the other side, they have some, some uh, sorry, salary cap constraints as well. Mm-hmm. Are the Rams closing in on a rebuild here? I mean, to call it a rebuild would be, would be difficult just because of what they're, um, what they're accounting for with their top players. I, I would call their roster very top-heavy. Um, you have Jared Goff, Todd Gurley, Brandon Cooks, Aaron Donald, um, all among the top paid players at their positions. And then you're going to add Ramsey into that mix, too. So um, it, it's really their roster is going to change a lot over the next couple of years just because they're not going to be able to pay Corey Littleton. I mean, they may be able to pay Corey Littleton, but paying everyone from Littleton to Everett to Cooper Cup to John Johnson, it's going to be extremely difficult and they're going to have to part ways with at least a couple of them, and they're going to rely on these mid to late round picks to to really step in as starters down the line. Well, I, I, one of the things that I love about the Ravens is that they put themselves in the position to allow those guys to walk, and they have a choice of cornerstone players, and that's what mm-hmm. good drafting teams do, of course. How have the Rams been? Obviously, they've been without a first-round pick. Have the last three drafts still been decent even without a first-round pick? Yeah, they have. Yep. I mean, you're seeing kind of the, uh, the return – um, this year from last year's draft, as well as the 2019 draft. Um, you had Brian Allen step in as a starter at center. He's out for the year with the torn MCL. Um, you had Joe Noteboom do the same at left guard. He was a, a third round pick, I believe, last year. He stepped in at left guard. He's also out for the year. So unfortunate injuries there. But um, you have Bobby Evans, who stepped in as a starter at right tackle last week. You have um, 
David Edwards, who has stepped in as a starter at guard. Um, so you're kind of seeing the return come forward um, on those draft picks. Whether they're going to be long-term starters still kind of remains to be seen. But um, so far, uh, you are getting a little bit of return. And then I mentioned David Long and, uh, and Taylor Rapp has played really well. Okay. All right. Outstanding. So let's let's go through side of the ball by side of the ball now. Start us off with with Goff and and what changes there have been this season and usage strengths. Whatever you want to talk about about Jared, Jared Goff. Yeah. So so Goff just um, kind of um, talking with Rams fans and, and analysts on Twitter. He's he's a really polarizing quarterback for a lot of people. Um, you've I'm sure you've heard about him being kind of a system quarterback with McVay as his head coach. That was kind of the the whole deal. Um, in, in 2017 and last year a little bit. I thought he took a huge step forward last year, had a really, really good season. He kind of faltered down the stretch after their bye, but um, really still had a good season, made the Pro Bowl. This year, it's just been a completely different story, and it's kind of um, almost exposed his weaknesses. Um, he's a quarterback who um, he obviously has a strong receiving core with with Cooper Cup, Robert Woods, and Brandon Cooks. But he also had the benefit of it, a great offensive line last year and the year before. And I mean, you, you could say it was probably one of the best in the league, um, where that's been a completely different story this year. Um, really, their guys have gotten injured, like I mentioned with Allen, no boom. Um, and then Rob Havenstein has a knee injury recently, too. But um, he, he, he's a player who needs good protection in the pocket with the offense so predicated on um, these play action, deep drops, really, they do five to seven drops all the time. So you need good protection in that. And, and when he's turning his back to the defense to fake a handoff to Gurley, you need to have the assurance that you're going to be protected. And he just doesn't have that. Yeah, lo- love that. That's a great point and something that actually Lamar Jackson has been slow to, to, to accept, but has finally gotten himself on the turn your back play action as opposed to the front facing play action, which shotgun quarterbacks typically have in college for most of their careers. But that's that's a that's a great point in golf. Do you have any statistics on how he's uh, performed under pressure? I don't have exact numbers in front of me, but it's been it's been significantly worse than um, when he has had protection. Um, one of the things that that I have noticed with the Rams this season is that they never run the ball out of play out of shotgun. Ninety six percent of the time when they're in shotgun, they're throwing the football. Which, I mean, obviously, when you're in shotgun, most teams are going to be throwing the ball. But the league average is around 78 to 80 percent of the time you're going to throw it. They throw the ball 96 percent of the time. So even when they do go with this play action fake out of shotgun, it's not effective. Teams are they're seeing this trend and this tendency. So they're, they're not they're not biting on the fakes, these handoffs out of shotgun. So um, really, it's hurt the offense. And it's kind of a tendency that McVay has to get away from. Um but when, when he, he, he's doing these deep drops with the play action passes and he just doesn't have the confidence that he's going to have time to turn his back, get back around to the defense and, and have protection and be able to throw the ball downfield. OK. And, and you mentioned uh, the five and seven step drops. Are they boot drops? Do they use those a lot or a lot of these are just straight drops with play action? Nope, they do. They do a lot of uh, a lot of boot drops. And uh, this past week, you saw them move the pocket a little bit. Um, and they were more conservative with with their offense this past week against the Bears. A lot of screen passes. Um, really, that was kind of just to protect the offensive line. Um, I charted the the game on these throws that the Rams did, and only six times out of the 18 passes that Goff threw, um, Khalil Mack had a legitimate opportunity to rush the passer. Um, they threw a lot of screen passes. 
Um, so they, they kind of neutralized the pass rush that way and protected the offensive line. But obviously, you're not going to be able to just throw the ball only 18 times. That was the fewest in, in Goff's career. Um, so they're going to need to get back to their kind of um, more pass-heavy offense in, in the future if they want to really move the ball because they only, they only had something like 280 yards and, and 17 points. All right, outstanding. Uh, we watched the, the Rams play the Steelers, of course, with interest here, hoping for a better result, but, yep. uh, but that's the way it went. What was it about the Steelers defensively that was able to get to the Rams? Was it just pressure? Yeah, it, w- it was mostly pressure. Um, it was it was relentless all game long, whether it was on the interior, whether it was Bud Dupree and, and T.J. Watt on the outside. Uh, whatever they sent at the Rams, it, 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 it was effective, and they got home a lot. Um, pressure. Uh, Jared Goff really had no time to even read the defense and see what they were playing. Um, a lot of blitzing, and it, it it just it really rattled him, and uh, it had a huge impact on the game. And the Rams inexplicably, really, it was it was a close game throughout. And um, Jared or Todd Gurley did not touch the ball once in the fourth quarter. They only attempted a few runs in the fourth, and really they just got away from what game plan was actually working because running the ball was effective in that game. And McVeigh for really no reason, just went away from it and um, leaned on Jared Goff again. Well, the Ravens defense has been on the uptick, but I, I, I'm really not able to say it's the pass rush that's really been getting home, but the secondary has been giving the pass rush more time to get home. And that was the, the largest reason for the seven sacks last week. So if there was going to be a break from one-on-one pass rush losses, as I'm kind of hearing that the Rams might have had a problem with, this might be it. Yeah, yep, yep. It's almost that chicken and egg thing where the pass rush gives the the secondary help or or the secondary with their coverage gives the pass rush more time. So um, when you have a combination of both, which the Rams defensively, I'm sure we'll get into that a little bit later on, but right now they do have both working. But um, as far as against the Ravens, um, that secondary in Baltimore is definitely going to give the pass rush more time and, and help them out against the Rams offensive line. All right. Well, let's talk about that offensive line. So I like to go through player by player. I, since I write offensive line articles, a lot of the people you'll be talking to have an interest in, in understanding offensive line play. Mm-hmm. Yep. So uh, you go left tackle, you got Andrew Whitworth um, at left guard. Um, they, they originally had David Edwards, um, but with, um, Brian Allen getting hurt, they had to shift their right guard, Austin Blythe, inside. So now they're putting Austin Corbett at left guard. Um, you got Austin Blythe at center, like I mentioned, Edwards at right guard. And then you have Bobby Evans stepping in for Rob Havenstein at right tackle. Um, so that's kind of what the line looks like right now. Um, really, no one has played particularly well this year for them. Even Andrew Whitworth, he's just had um, a kind of uncharacteristic season. Still their, their best offensive lineman, but um, it, it just hasn't been the year that they expected from the offensive line that they got last year and the year before. Well, how about Corbett? Let's talk about him because he was the, he's a midseason acquisition from the Browns. Yep. And what did they trade to get him? They traded, I think it was a fourth round pick, fourth or fifth round pick um, okay. to, to get him over. So he's he's uh, he made his first start on Sunday against the Bears. Um, like I said, the, the Rams really with their scheme, they kind of protected the offensive line and used a lot of two tight end sets, which they normally don't. Um, they rarely threw the ball. And when they did, they kind of moved the pocket and went with screen passes and um, some of these quicker passes to protect them. Um, but Corbett looked good in his debut. Um, he, he's a guy who I liked coming out of Nevada a few years ago and the Rams did too. Um, I, I think 
Les Snead even said they considered drafting him, um, or they would have considered drafting him if they had the opportunity. But um, he stepped in nicely in kind of a difficult spot where he's being thrust into the into the start the starting lineup a few weeks ago um, when Allen did go down, and then he's he's a starter this past week against the Bears. Okay, so Brian Allen, Allen was replaced by Coleman Shelton. Is that correct at center? Nope. Uh, actually, Austin Blythe slid over from guard to center. Okay, very good. Okay, and and I'm, I, all I have to work on is the PFF rankings, having not watched you know a lot of Rams play and really dissected mm-hmm. the way I would the Ravens. But tell me about Austin Blythe and, and what he's done well and what he hasn't. So Blythe was a good player last year for them, um, playing right guard. He took over for Jamon Brown, who was suspended, and then really just continued to progress and, and got better as the season went on and held on to the starting job. Um, he, he's good. At, he's a good run blocker. He could use a, a little bit of work as a as a in pass protection, but um, he does show good functional strength as a blocker in the run game. Um, he's he's mobile enough to kind of pull around if the Rams do go with that. They do a lot of outside zone runs, so he can he can kind of get to um, the defensive tackle and uh, and the outside linebackers if needed. Um, but he, he's a good player this season. It just hasn't been there for him. Um, I know he did have, I think it was an ankle injury earlier in the year. Um, and there's kind of some speculation that that's impacted him throughout the season and, and kind of slowed down his play a little bit, um, which it wouldn't surprise me at all. And maybe that's why he's played better since the bye. He kind of got that time off to, to rest up a little bit. And now that he's taking over at center, um, that was more his natural position when he came into the NFL. He was there with the Colts practice squad. Um, so he, he looked good last week. Again, um, they, they had a lot of success running up the middle, which hasn't been the case this season. Um, so that was kind of a nice change for them. All right. All right. And uh, the right tackle is now who? Bobby Evans. Yep. He's the rookie out of Oklahoma. Um, that was kind of a big deal. Uh, Going into this Bears game, it was going to be Bobby Evans with his three career snaps played against Khalil <laughs> Mack, one of the best edge rushers. And that looked like it would be a disaster for the Rams. And really, it wasn't. Um, he didn't allow a single sack. Golf was only touched one time. Um, and he did a good job, but he also had a lot of help. Um, really, there was Tyler Higby at tight end, um, either chipping Khalil Mack or simply taking him on himself and, and um, handling the block on his own with a little bit of help from another tight end, Johnny Munt. Um, but Evans, he was uh, kind of, to put it simply, he was a disaster in the preseason for the Rams. He was their worst offensive lineman. He got the most playing time. He played deep into the fourth game. Um, so there was a lot of progress that needed to be made with him. Um, we still really haven't seen what he can do in the NFL. I wouldn't, I, I wouldn't uh, put too much stock into his performance against the bears just because he wasn't left on an island with any single pass rusher really at all throughout the game. Um, and when he did get Khalil Mack, he was walked into Jared Goff pretty easily. So um, he does need to build up that strength being in the NFL now. Um, but it's kind of a work in progress for him. I'm really interested to see how he does this week, especially if the Rams kind of throw the ball more often. If it is going to be a high scoring game, um, I, I want to see how he does this week against the Ravens. It'll it'll be a lot of Matt Judon on that side of the field. So he's the best the Ravens have, which is is not saying a lot. But yeah. he had a big game list last week. Yeah. Now, one of the big similarities between the Rams and Ravens is the tight end position has a lot of quality for the for the Rams. Mm-hmm. So take us through those three guys and and how they uh, have been used this year. 
Yeah, so it was, it was kind of strange against the Bears. Um, Gerald Everett played his fewest snaps of the season. He he went into the game um, with a little bit of a wrist injury. He was limited in practice. Um, but he really wasn't a factor in this game. He had one 20-yard catch uh, in the fourth quarter, and he's by far their best receiving tight end. It's just that the Rams went really run-heavy. Um, they went with a lot of Tyler Higby, who's a better blocker, more kind of well-rounded tight end. And then Johnny Munt had a huge role. Um, blocking, he he really kind of played this fullback role, which we haven't seen at all from Sean McVay um, at all since he took over for the Rams. Um, he he um, lined up in the backfield in front of Gurley, and um, they did a lot of misdirection, and, and he was kind of his lead blocker, which was good to see, honestly. It was a, a little bit of a change for the Rams, and it worked well because they ran the ball successfully. Um, but on Sunday, I would assume that if they're going back to their more normal offense, um, having Brandon Cooks back, they're going to go to more 11 personnel. You're going to see Gerald Everett, hopefully if he's if he's healthy. We haven't seen an injury r- report yet. Um, but if he's healthy, you're going to see a lot of Gerald Everett. Um, he had a few, he had, he had a four or five game stretch earlier this season where he was really effective. He was among the best tight ends um, production wise during that stretch. Um, he's a guy who's really difficult to get on the ground after the catch. He's still a, a capable blocker, um, but he is definitely their better receiving tight end. And then Higby is he's he's a big uh, he's a big tight end target um, that's useful in the red zone. The Rams don't really utilize him much in the red zone for whatever reason. His hands are just not as reliable as Everett, um, but he's a good blocker. Really, um, at the point of attack on the line when it comes to to locking up outside linebackers, defensive ends, he does a good job, and, and he was great against Khalil Mack. So um, those are primarily the two guys I think we'll see this weekend on Monday. All right, so you mentioned Munt in the backfield as a as a football player, and I'm I'm interested in that. I'm oh, sorry, as a, as a fullback, um, at 233 pounds, six four. That's not your typical frame for a fullback. It's a little bit smallish. Yep. Yeah. I mean, McVay has never utilized a fullback. He's never really put a tight end in the backfield as as that lead blocker. Um, but he did a good job. He, um, I think Todd Gurley was still kind of getting used to reading what it's like to have a lead blocker out of the backfield. Um, he's not used to, he's so used to single back and, um, running out of that, that type of formation. But, um, I think as the game wore on, he kind of got a little bit used to it. I don't know if we'll see that against the Ravens or if that was kind of just a contingency contingency plan for Robert Woods being an emergency scratch right before the game. And then, kind of the Rams scrambling and using two tight ends more. But um, it was something that Gurley definitely had to get used to with reading his blocks and, and reading where the holes were going to be. Okay, great stuff. Let's move on to the wide receivers here. Uh, you mentioned that the, yeah, there's a talented group for sure. I think most people know Cooper Cup, but take us through each of them and kind of how they're used, where they line up, et cetera. Yeah, so really the the great thing with the Rams receiving core is that they're – they're really interchangeable, um, and, and we're going to see that throughout the game, I think, even if Robert Woods doesn't play. Um, Cooper Cub is primarily a slot guy. Um, he's going to draw whoever the, the Ravens have inside, and um, while he's not the fastest player, he's not the quickest receiver, he does get the job done with, uh, with just his awareness, whether it's against zone defense, knowing where to sit down in the soft spot of the zone, or um, just his good route running um, against man coverage to get open for golf and um, when he got injured last year, I think we saw a big drop off um, with the Rams offense, specifically on third down. Um, really, it was just less efficient. They were um, less successful throwing the ball on that down. And uh, a big reason was was that Cooper Cup wasn't there. And he's having a great season. Um, kind of weird the last few weeks. He's he, uh, 
He's, he only had three catches against the Bears, really was almost a non-factor other than that 150-yard play. Um, the week before, he was completely shut out by the Steelers, which was absolutely incredible. Mike Hilton did a good job. Um, really, they doubled him and bracketed him throughout the game. And then the week before against the Bengals, he goes off for 220 yards and a touchdown. So um, kind of inconsistent play the last few weeks, whether that's kind of the Rams involvement or him just not being able to get open. Um, it's kind of a combination of both, but um, he's having a really good season. Robert Woods, I mentioned that he was emergency scratch last week against the Bears. Um, he's he's dealing with the personal matter right now. The Rams have not said exactly what that is or um, when he'll be back. Just that he's in a good place and and he's taking care of that. So we honestly don't know if he's going to be there on Monday night. Um, McVay mentioned that he's a guy who, with all the experience that he has in this scheme, being two and a half years in, um, he is someone who could play on a short week of practice, even if he doesn't line up at all in practice this week. Um, he's really their most reliable and uh, I would say versatile receiver. Um, I'm not sure if if the Ravens had much experience against him against the or when he was with the Bills, but um, he's such a good run blocker for for the running backs, and um, he really he he does a good job against wide receivers and even linebackers. Um, no matter who you put him on, when it comes to the blocking scheme, he's going to do a good job. And um, with as much as the Rams run this outside zone, it's it's really important to have good blockers on the outside, and that's what Woods and Cup uh, both do really well. Um, Woods is just kind of a, a good route runner, good blocker, all around good receiver. He's not going to wow you with really anything that he does, but um, just a really reliable guy for Jared Goff. And then uh, Brandon Cooks, um, he's coming back. He's expected to play at least, um, returning from a concussion, his second of the year. Um, kind of the Rams haven't gotten as much out of him as I would think they would want to. Um, he's just he's he's a fast receiver. Going over the middle, he's not really um, the most physical guy, being a little bit smaller. Um, doesn't really do well going um, going towards the middle of the field just because of the contact and, and the traffic that is um, that is over there. So he's more of a an outside guy. He, he'll run comebacks. He'll run double moves. He'll run nine routes down the field. Um, but where he is, he is good is running these corner routes. And um, when he gets one-on-one coverage, um, he just has a good feel for the route and, and setting, uh, setting golf up, um, their fourth receiver is Josh Reynolds. Just touch on him quickly. Um, they do not run many four receiver sets, but, um, if, if Robert Woods isn't able to play, you're going to see a lot of Josh Reynolds in their 11 personnel, um, kind of a long strider, um, again, good, good at the, at the point of attack with the ball and, and at the catch point against, uh, contest, contested catches. Um, but he needs to be kind of more consistent because he does he does have kind of a little bit of a drop issue. Okay, so you mentioned the personnel, so let's just jump to that right now, if you, if you don't mind. Yep. So the Ravens played the Arizona Cardinals, who play a ton of 10 personnel. Mm-hmm. You're telling me the Rams don't play much. It's mostly 11 then? Yeah, yep, mostly 11. I, I think this year it's been somewhere around 90%. Okay, 90%. Wow, that's very, yes. that's very set. Okay. So I'm thinking about that. That means the Ravens won't play any base defense in this game, which isn't really a surprise. They haven't played any the whole season. Just going talking through this out loud. So it'll mm-hmm. be a mix mix of dime, uh, nickel, and quarter against those kind of uh, of packages, depending mm-hmm. on down and distance and and those sorts of things. Yeah, but, yeah, I, I would I would expect plenty of that, especially with the Rams, um, with how often they use three receivers and the depth that the Ram the Ravens do have at corner. I would expect plenty of that. All right. All right, so uh, 
let's see. We did we talked briefly about the use of a fullback, but I don't know that we really talked about Gurley or the other running backs. Why don't you go through that? Yeah, Gurley, he's uh, he's been in the news a lot. I'm sure even fans from afar have have heard about everything going on with him. And um, the Rams are really tight-lipped on this. They don't say anything. They don't say he's hurt. They don't say he's on a, a workload management. Um, but he still is not getting the ball very often. And it's, um, quite frankly, pretty surprising just because when he does get the ball, you do see kind of um, a similar player to what he was last year. Um, he caught he caught a little dump off on on Sunday night from Goff and took it, I think it was 20 something yards, but um, he did look a little bit slow. Admittedly, he didn't, he didn't have that same burst that we're used to, but um, the Rams are saying that he's healthy. They're saying they're, they're not really um, protecting him. At least McVay is is saying that he's not protecting him or keeping him on limited touches. But if you look through his season, um, he only has one game with 20 or more touches. That was Um, the last game. Yes. Yep. Yep. Against the Bears when they went really run heavy. He had 25 carries, 97 yards, um, and then he caught three passes as well. But um, his involvement in the offense has just been completely different from what it was last year. He's not catching many passes. He only has 18 catches all year. He's only been targeted 31 times. When you compare that to last year and the year before, he was being targeted more than 80 times in in each season. Um, So his involvement, his involvement as a receiver is just not there. All right. So one thing that really stands out about Gurley is a very low catch rate for a running back, 18 out of 31 this year. What sort of patterns are they having him run? Yeah, I I wrote a lot about this um, last week heading into the Bears game. And it's just it's a combination of a lot of things. Um, He's dropped, I think, five passes this season, which is terrible compared to to his uh, his target rate. He's he has one of the highest drop rates in the NFL right now. Um, But it's also just they're not scheming plays in the passing game for him. Um, last year was a lot of screen passes. It was a lot of um, these clear out routes where where the receivers would flood to one side. Gurley would come come underneath and and run free and almost a pick route for for a, a running back. Um, and it worked well. And he uh, he didn't have any catch issues or drop issues up until that Saints game um, in the playoffs. And kind of from there, he it's almost like he's lost confidence in his hands. Um, this year, it's just been. Um, he's running these little these little hook check down routes. He's running these routes to the flat where they really have no chance of of breaking big or, or gaining more than five yards just because he's the the third and fourth option in the offense on those patterns. Um, they did run a screen that worked pretty well last last week against the Bears. Um, you haven't seen as much of that this season as I thought you would, um, but really it, it comes down to golf being inaccurate when throwing Gurley's way. He sailed a lot of passes. He's thrown a lot of passes behind him. Um, that's been a big issue. And then McVeigh is just not, he's not scheming plays up for Gurley. Um, and that's evident in his 31 targets. And it's also evident in um, the, the low uh, yards per reception that he has. He, he's only gaining six and a half yards per catch, which is, uh, which is pretty terrible. Okay. All right. Very good. I, 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 the other thing that's, often shows up and will, will depress a running back's catch statistics, so I think you've explained it well, is when screen passes are being too easily diagnosed by the defense, they get people, a forest of trees around him, and the quarterback grounds the football intentionally in his area. Mm-hmm. Is, is there, has there been some of that, or has it really been him dropping the ball and, and the ball being sailing on him from golf, as you mentioned? Surprisingly, there hasn't been many opportunity or uh, many instances where golf is throwing it into the dirt. Um, golf 
for some reason is a guy who likes to force the issue and doesn't really um, live to see the next down. He would rather take a chance <laughs> and, and force it into coverage. And it, uh, it's caused some issues for the Rams. He almost, he almost threw a pick on a, on a terrible designed um, screen to Gurley last week where he, he faked the cup one way, looked over to Gurley the next and, um, without even really reading what was there. I mean, you had Mark Barron all over Gurley, and he still threw the ball, and, and Barron got a hand on it and almost picked it off. Um, but it's teams are kind of they're, – they're diagnosing what the Rams are trying to do with their schemes. Their offensive linemen are just not very good this season, and it's just a combination of everything where these, these screens just aren't working, and, and they're not trying them as much. All right. All right, fair enough. Now, we've been through a fair amount of the offense here. And you certainly talked about the personnel groupings are most common and some of the play action tendencies they have to both either do straight drop and boot off the turn your back. What other common plays or formations show up for the Rams from time to time that are that are specific maybe to them or that that are that are something interesting to you? Yeah, they use a lot of tight bunches um, to the formation with their receivers just because their receivers are such good blockers. Um, They can run out of those formations where. Um, you're going to get Cooper Cup on a linebacker. You're going to get Robert Woods on a safety, and and they can hold up in those plays. And um, uh, something that they work a lot out of that is um, these kind of route combinations where it's almost a natural pick, and you have against man coverage, you have the defensive backs trying to cross each other, and um, it just these mesh routes they they work well, um, and and it gives Jared Goff some easy targets. Um, they haven't done as much of the the pre snap motion and. Um, kind of the deception before the snap as they did last season. Um, but you still will see some of that. You'll see Cooper Cup come across the formation. At times, we'll take a handoff. The same with uh, with Brandon Cooks, although I don't, I don't know if they're going to do that this week with Cooks just because he's coming off the second concussion. Maybe want to protect him a little bit. Um, but you will see that a little bit. Um, they do like to group their receivers up, as I said, with with kind of these bunch sets. And um, it, it try, they try to create some confusion with the defense. Um, but other than that, it's, uh, it's pretty standard stuff. You're going to see a lot of three receiver sets. Um, really it's, uh, nothing too crazy out of the formations that they're going to run other than a lot of that, that bunch and and trips. Okay. All right. Very good. Now, when they're, when they're trying to catch up end of the half drives, that sort of thing, are they four spread with one back most typically, or do they still keep an inline tight end at that time? Nope, usually still keep an inline tight end. Um, in those situations, they'll go with Everett just because he's the more dynamic receiver. And um, really, he's become one of Goff's favorite targets in those situations, those kind of four and two minute um, situations where they're checking the ball off uh, or th- checking it down just to move the sticks. And Everett's a guy who has good speed, so um, he can break a tackle, get to the get to the sideline, get out of bounds. And kind of his his head is not always there. He's uh, kind of his awareness is kind of lacking sometimes where he's not getting out of bounds when he should. But um, definitely see a lot of tight ends in those two minute situations. Okay, uh, just outstanding stuff, Cameron. This is exactly what I'm sure the listeners want to hear. Let's move over to the defense, and and of course. Uh, we want to talk about common base and pass defense looks. Maybe we start with Aaron Donald because that's where everybody everybody really wants to know is how can the Ravens possibly get him mm-hmm. stopped up? Yeah, yeah. I mean, the Rams will do a lot with Aaron Donald. Um, they've lined him up. They, they don't really line him up at, at the nose over the center, but um, they'll use him as a three technique. They'll even put him out wide as kind of a, a true edge rusher and get him on a on a on a left tackle or right tackle and let him work from there and. Really, I'm sure, as you know, no matter where he lines up, he's going to have success. 
And it's just a matter of kind of freeing him up to get these one-on-one opportunities, which are just so difficult to come by. Um, one of his best traits is being able to split double teams when he does get them. He's mm-hmm. just so he's so quick off the ball that these that the center and the guard can't they can't come together quick enough, and, and the the guard and the tackle they can't come together quick enough to get him blocked. And it either results in a holding penalty or it results in Donald getting through for a quick pressure or um, getting to the to the running back in the backfield. Um, Really, you just can't say enough about how good of a player he is. And um, I'm sure your fan, your your listeners are uh, smarter than to just look at the box score and see that he only has, I think, six or seven sacks this season, which isn't an insignificant number, but it's not the 20 and a half that he put up last year. Um, but he still leads the league in pressures. He leads the league, I think, in quarterback hits. Um, so he's way up there again, just having a, a tremendous season. And um, his impact on the game goes so far beyond the box score and what he does stati- statistically. Um, it's getting Clay Matthews one-on-one opportunities. It's getting Sebastian Joseph Day at nose tackle, um, single single blockers up front. Um, same with Dante Fowler on the edge. It's um, his impact on a game and just the way that offenses have to change their game plan to go away from him. Um, his, his impact on it is immense. So the Ravens do some different things to deal with edge rushers than I think the Rams have seen before this year. So this is one of the areas that's very interesting. Had a talk on another show um, was doing this week about how to handle Aaron Donald. And one of the things came up, well, the first thing that came to mind to me was you got two huge blocking motion players in Boyle and Ricard that I would be trying to stick in Aaron Donald's ribcage just about every play. Mm-hmm. Because I, I I understand the, the notion of how it's easier to split a double team. Pernell McPhee was that way a few years back in terms of a guy who could regularly split those because because he had such a great first step. Yep. But I, I'm, I'm, I'm questioning whether or not Donald will be comfortable or be able to play all the snaps he has. And he's averaging over 60 snaps a game, mm-hmm. which is just outrageous for a mm-hmm. lineman. Um, if if he's you know be, being given a physical beating that he typically I think can more often than not can avoid by how quick he is with his hands. Mm-hmm. Yep. That, that, like you mentioned, that's something that kind of is unique to the Ravens and it's not something that Donald has seen very often where you get these running backs and these, uh, these tight ends chipping, coming um, almost late after he's kind of engaged with, with the primary lineman and coming in and, um, and hitting him while he's, while he's engaged and um, getting double teams that way. Most often it's, it's the two linemen um, trying to block him together. But you do make a good point with uh, with using Ricard and um, and a tight end like Boyle coming in and um, blocking him and just putting a physical toll on his body and, and wearing him down in that way because the Rams don't often take him off the field, which is pretty rare for a defensive tackle who's rushing the quarterback so often as he is um, throughout a game. So that's definitely something that's going to be fairly new for Donald. Okay, so possibility number two, which was mentioned, and this is just brilliant. I, I, I wonder if this could work. But the Ravens often let the edge defender intentionally into the backfield. So mm-hmm. if, if Aaron Donald lines up on the edge, or maybe if he, if he lines up in the middle, can you play read option and have Jackson read Donald? Or is Donald just too damn quick for that to be a good option? Yep. So th- there's two things that go with that. Donald is he is too damn quick. Like you said, he's he's one of the quickest defensive tackles I've ever seen. But sometimes that works against him. Um, we saw that against the Bears on Sunday night where they didn't necessarily let him come through, but he was so quick. Um, 
they were the Bears weren't shotgun. He was so quick to come through the line. He thought it was going to be a pass play and, and focused on Trubisky. And they actually handed it off to Tariq Cohen, and he ran up the middle almost untouched um, because Donald um, really left his gap and was so quick to pursue the quarterback for for uh, for the pressure that he forgot about the run almost. So um, when you do let him through, he's going to focus on the quarterback because that's just his his natural instinct is to to rush the quarterback. Um, that's not to make say he's he's wrong in doing that, but um, it does come back to bite the Rams at times when you are handing it off or when you do have such an athletic quarterback like Lamar Jackson who can um, either elude him or um, use the read option to kind of maybe make him freeze for a second and, and read the play more than he normally would. Um, the Rams haven't faced a quarterback like Lamar Jackson at all this year. It's been these strictly pocket passers, and that's going to change in a lot in a lot in the next four weeks with Jackson. They have Prescott, they have Russell Wilson, who, I mean, he's mobile, but he's not Lamar Jackson. And then Kyler Murray, they have twice this season still to come. Um, so it's going to be kind of a new taste for them um, facing off against a, a quarterback like Jackson um, with his mobility. All right. All right. Outstanding stuff there. It's exactly the kind of thing we want to hear. Um, I like to spend some talk, time talking about rotation. Obviously, we mentioned Donald plays a ton of snaps. How, the rest of the defensive line, how are they rotated? Yeah, so you're going to see a mix of uh, a mix of a bunch of different guys um, at nose tackle. They use Sebastian Joseph Day. He's primarily their starter there. Um, Greg Gaines was their fourth round pick this year. I thought he was going to have a huge impact on the defense. He just hasn't really um, done enough this season. He could be inactive on Monday night. Um, depends on kind of what the Rams feel their game plan best suits. Um, but you'll also see Tanzel Smart. He can line up at the nose tackle. He'll rotate in with uh, with Donald a little bit. At defensive end, you have Michael Brockers, who's playing a lot of snaps, playing at a really high level this season. Um, he's been subbed out at times for Morgan Fox, who's a little bit quicker, um, kind of in those third down passing situations where you want more speed on the field. And then at outside linebacker, you're going to have Clay Matthews and Dante Fowler. Um, they're going to be primarily your two edge rushers. Um, they're on the field most of the time, I would say. Um, but the Rams have kind of rotated in um, Samson Ebukam at outside linebacker and then um, Ogo Okoronkwo, who was um, kind of a draft crush of a lot of people coming out of Oklahoma last year, where he landed with Wade Phillips and um, all, being a little bit undersized, people thought he was really going to turn into something really a good player for the Rams. And um, while he has shown flashes a couple weeks ago against, I think it was the Bengals. He had a sack and a half. Um, he, he really played well while Clay Matthews was out, but um, he's being phased out a little bit. I think he only played a few snaps against the bears. So um, that's kind of the primary rotation that we'll see um, up front from the Rams. Okay. It really sticks out. Uh, Ebicom, good edge setter, correct? Mm-hmm. Okay. Yep, re really athletic player. Also, lots of snaps there as well being played. And I'm wondering, is there any, uh, I guess he's under 400 snaps for the year. Maybe that's not the end. It's really Fowler Moore, who's close to 600 snaps like Donald. Yep. Uh, is there any hint of overwork there? No, I, I wouldn't say so. I think um, Ebukam's snap counts kind of got driven up when uh, when Matthews was out with a broken jaw. Um, so that's why his playing time was up a little bit. But primarily it's Fowler and then um, Matthews. I thought Matthews would kind of split in a little bit as an inside linebacker since he did that with the Packers. But that really hasn't been the case this year. He's primarily played the edge and 
Um, he, he leads the team in sacks, and he's only had one game without a sack since joining the Rams, and that was on Sunday night. But um, mm-hmm. like I said, he, he gets set up well by Donald, with, um, with whether it's with these stunts or just uh, getting one-on-one situations outside with tackles where everyone else is focused on Donald, and, and he kind of gets almost a free run. Okay, well, go ahead, talk a little bit more about the pass rush scheme. And I, I think I write about it and I, I talk about it in two dimensions. The first is numbers, of course. I, I do want to hear about that. But the other is is the elements of deception. So how often do they blitz somebody from the slot or off the line of scrimmage? How often do they use stunts? How often do they use two-man drops or two-plus-man drops to, to set up some sort of zone blitz or to deceive the offensive line? Mm-hmm. So since they acquired Ramsey, um, they went to more of a man-heavy scheme where you're going to have Troy Hill lined up outside, matched up on one receiver. You're going to have Ramsey on another, and then Roby Coleman in the slot. Um, they don't do a lot of blitzing with their cornerbacks, really, ever. Um, you, you might see Troy Hill on one if he's inside, um, but they, they don't blitz that often. Um, and if they do, it's, it's really with Corey Littleton coming from the middle. Um, but they are going to use some stunts. They're going to put Matthews kind of in kind of a two-man game with, with Donald, where Donald is going to start from the inside his defensive tackle position. He's going to crash outside a little bit, carry the guard and tackle with him, and then you're going to try to have Matthews looping in um, on the inside. So you will see that a little bit. They don't do that as often with Fowler, um, but you will see some of that with Matthews. Um, really, they, they don't blitz that often, and um, they do lead the league in, I think, pressure rate when not blitzing. Um, ESPN shared a stat uh, last week on that. And so they've done a good job getting after the quarterback. They're, they're among the best teams in sacks. Um, and it's not all Donald this year either, which is which is a good surprise. You do have Matthews, you do have Fowler, and then um, Donald on the inside. So they do have a good pass rush scheme. It's it's um, pretty standard. Um, nothing crazy that they do. Not a lot of blitzing. You will see some stunts, like I said, but um, pretty pretty straightforward stuff with uh, the two guys on the edge and then the three on the interior. Okay, so the the teams that have been successful slowing down the Rams pass rush how have they done it have they done it by running the football controlling it or have they done it by blocking scheme have they done it with personnel somehow what have they done yeah it's been a mix of both um the Rams have been really good against the run this season they're I think second in uh in yards per carry allowed um which is a big upgrade from last season when they were one of the worst teams um they were 31st in in yards per carry allowed last season so um teams haven't been as successful running the ball um, so the Rams are doing a good job in that regard, but you are seeing teams focus more attention on Donald when they do slow down the pass rush. And, um, at times that has come back to bite them. Fowler had a big game. Uh, it was, it was against the Falcons. He had a few sacks there. Um, but more often than not slowing down the pass rush comes down to stopping Aaron Donald because he is the guy who makes all of that go. Um, you'll see tight end. You, I, I've seen tight ends at the line of scrimmage a lot. Um, against the Rams, whether it's just trying to um, chip the edge rushers like Fowler and Matthews and uh, and slow them down. But uh, most of it comes down to just winning their blocks, and, and, and that's hard to do against the Rams' pass rush. All right, very good. Let's go to the, pers- the other positional groups. You talked a little bit about the defensive line. Go to the, the, the second level. Tell us about the linebackers. <laughs> Not a whole lot to say with the depth there. It's really Corey Littleton. Um, he's he's their primary inside linebacker. They don't run a lot of 3-4 um, with getting two inside linebackers on the field. Um, since Bryce Hager went down um, earlier in the season against the Seahawks, um, Troy Reader, who was an undrafted rookie this year, 
stepped up a little bit. Um, he, he became a starter in a few games. He was listed as a starter, but really he hasn't done much for the Rams at all. Um, against the, um, against the bears on Sunday night, I think he played nine snaps the week before that. It was, it was I mean, it's been single digits pretty much every week and he's primarily their second inside linebacker. Um, so he's not getting much playing time. You're not going to see him on the field much. Um, instead you're going to see Marquis Christian, who's a safety, he moonlights a little bit as a linebacker, playing that uh, playing that hybrid role. He'll match up with tight ends. He'll be in the box a lot. And then Taylor Rapp is the same way. Um, those guys are kind of interchangeable. And then you have Weddle as a free, but um, Rapp and, and Christian are in the box a lot um, next to Corey Littleton. And um, Littleton is really one of the best linebackers in the league. He doesn't get a lot of recognition um, for whatever reason. He, he was an undrafted guy a few years ago and has just kind of risen the ranks and, and become a really good player for the Rams. Um, he's one of the best coverage linebackers in the league, whether it's one-on-one against a running back or simply just dropping back into coverage. Um, he's done a really good job this season. He's always around the ball. He has a few interceptions. He, um, it, his hustle, too, does a lot for the Rams, too, um, going backwards down the field if, if a big play does break he's he's always in position to recover fumbles and it's kind of why he's done uh why he has um as many fumble recoveries the past few years as he does this season alone he has three um so he, mm-hmm. he's always around the ball and he's doing a good job and he's forced two fumbles himself as well um so a really good season from him and um i think kind of their confidence that they do have in littleton is why they're able to go with these uh dime packages and, and getting three safeties on the field Okay, and are they at all uh, selective about playing the dime? I noticed they had about 240 snaps total from inside linebackers who are not named Corey Littleton. So that'd be maybe, what, a third, a little bit more, 40% maybe of the total snaps Yeah. the second linebacker? Yeah. So, so what, what's the normal progression? Is it, is it they get ahead in a game, obviously, they're probably playing dime most of the time, but if they if – they, End of half, they're probably playing dime most of the time. Do they go to the quarter ever? Um, somewhat. I mean, you don't see many uh, many situations where they do go into the quarter. Um, you're going to see a lot of three safeties, like I said, three three cornerbacks, and then Littleton in the in the middle there. Um, they're not going to go to quarter very often. They don't they don't necessarily have a lot of confidence in um, in David Long yet as their uh, as their fifth fourth cornerback, excuse me, um, to get onto the field. But you did see that a little bit against the Bears. Um, but primarily it is going to be the nickel and dime. All right. All right. Fantastic. And of course, I mean, most teams, the way they would run it, they'd have to take Corey Littleton off the field unless they want to run a 3-1 version of that quarter, which is not not the typical way it's done. Yeah, so. yeah. Littleton almost never comes off the field. He's he's pretty much out there all the time. If they do go to the uh, to the quarter or uh, dime or, or quarter, they're going to take off um, one of their defensive linemen and, and maybe put um, Dante Fowler kind of as a, a four-man front. Gotcha. Gotcha. Okay. Um, let's see. What else do we still need to talk about? The secondary. Yep. Yep. So big changes in the secondary this season. Um, Aqib Tlaib is gone. Marcus Peters is gone. John Johnson is out with an injury. So that's three starters gone uh, from just week one. Um, and then you look at Weddle replacing LaMarcus Joyner at safety. Um, so really their secondary has gone, undergone a big change in the past uh, year or so. Um, you do have Ramsey stepping in. Obviously, they traded for him. He's done a really good job since coming over. Um, they've used him as their matchup corner, just putting him on number one receivers um, 
whether they didn't use him on Tyler Boyd just because he was he was in the slot a lot against um, Nikel Roby Coleman, but Julio Jones, Juju Smith Schuster, and then Allen Robinson last week. So he is their matchup corner. He's going to play man coverage a lot of the time. And the same goes for Troy Hill on the other side. Um, he's going to take the number two corner. They're, they, they flip sides. They're not specific to sides, which was the case with, uh, with Tlaib and Peters. Tlaib was always the left corner. Peters was always the right. And, uh, and they would go from there. Um, Roby Coleman is always in the slot. Not going to see him anywhere else. He doesn't, he, he doesn't blitz from the slot either, really. Um, so primarily you're going to see um, you're going to see a lot of Ramsey and a lot of Troy Hill in man coverage. Um, and then, and then in the safety, you do have Weddle and, uh, and the guys that I mentioned before. Okay. Now, so I watched a lot of film when they, when the Ravens acquired Peters and he was used probably half the time in the games I looked at as a cover three safety effectively on the, at right cornerback playing right cornerback. Mm-hmm. And w- there are two things that showed up about that. One is he's almost never targeted probably for multiple reasons. Obviously he's, he's a, uh, a character of fear given his, his very high interception rate for his career and the ability to undercut balls. But the other point that is making in terms of the groups that assign targets is that they usually give the target to the underneath player. And I'm noticing that Ramsey has been targeted quite a bit since he's with, since he's been with the Rams in four games, he's been targeted 25 times, 18 catches. Mm-hmm. So is, is that more a function of, him playing man, and so he's getting charged with those targets. Yeah, I, I, there there are times where he is he is getting targeted. Um, you didn't see the Bears go after him very often. Um, the Steelers did somewhat, and then the the Falcons obviously did when they had Julio Jones on him, just liking that matchup. I think that's probably where uh, most of his targets did come. But you're also seeing him in zone coverage at times where where. Um, he's well off the line of scrimmage and kind of they're just taking quick routes and, and throwing to, to whoever's open. And at times that has been Ramsey. Um, but the guy who teams really pick on more is Troy Hill. Um, he was targeted a lot um, against the Steelers. And um, with Deontay Johnson, they had some success with that. Um, James Washington had some sec- success against uh, Troy Hill as well. He played well against the Bears, really had a good game against them. I would say better than Ramsey even. Um, but you're, you're, it's not necessarily that teams are going to shy away from Ramsey. They're going to go after both corners. I would say you're going to have more success going after Troy Hill than you are Ramsey. But um, if you get the right matchup, like with Marquise Brown going downfield against Ramsey, there is there is room for him to uh, to work against him. All right, all right, very good. It looks to me like Troy Hill's having a great year here. From from in terms of uh, catches and targets, that's uh, mm-hmm. it certainly looks like the case. Okay, so let's let's talk about this from your perspective and, and trying to build a defensive game plan against the Ravens. How, how do you think that they'll try and defense Jackson, Brown, Andrews, and the run game? So I, I think what the Rams do have working in their favor is the fact that they do have three safeties they're comfortable starting and, and playing the majority of the game, um, whereas you're not going to have a big bulking safe, uh, linebacker in the middle as well. Um, so it gives them some versatility. You could have Taylor Rapp almost spying, um, Lamar Jackson because he is such a quick safety and he is so good, um, in traffic and, and getting off of blocks. Um, he's also the Rams best tackler. Um, I, he's, he rarely misses tackles. So I think you're going to see a lot of Taylor Rapp in the box and, um, lining up against not only tight ends, but really just, 
um, primarily watching Lamar Jackson and, and keeping him in tow and, and um, keeping him kind of in check, hopefully. Um, you're, you're, I don't think they're going to have much success blitzing Lamar Jackson. I don't know what his numbers are against the blitz, but I would assume just because he's so mobile and he's so elusive that it doesn't often work. Um, and he's going to find the open guy it, it kind of replacing where the blitz is coming from. Um, you, you'd be able to speak more on that, um, whether whether he has had success against the blitz. But the Rams don't blitz often. You're going to see a lot of uh, the three safeties, like I mentioned. And then um, really the most important thing is for the, the edge rushers to um, – stay in their lanes and, and not get too far upfield because then you're going to open up lanes for Jackson to run up the middle and, uh, and into holes. So um, I think that's going to be one of the most important things. And, and Donald just can't be too aggressive getting upfield against him either. Um, he's almost going to have to um, keep an, keep one eye on Jackson to see which way he's going because Donald does get upfield so quickly um, that that might not work. All right. Very good. Very good. It, the, the Ravens had a lot of success with play action, particularly with uh, inside linebackers. And I guess in this case it could be a safety who, mm-hmm. who bites on play action. Uh, you know, the Ravens have a run game that needs to be respected or, or yep. begs to be respected. And three tight ends who are very attractive targets against play action What uh, or with play action. How do you see the Rams combating that? And do, do they, the players they have at linebacker, um, you know, obviously most significantly Littleton, do they have any problems biting on it? Littleton, he's he's pretty good with his eyes. Um, he doesn't he doesn't bite off and he doesn't get out of his lane too often. He's really improved as a run defender um, this season um, against play action. He's he's primarily taking the the running backs in, and then you have the safeties taking the tight ends um, kind of in those assignments. But they do have the personnel to match up well with the Ravens. Um, taking care of those tight ends is so important just because of how reliant Jackson is on them. Um, you're going to have Weddle who's typically in the, in the deep middle. Um, but you're going to have Marky Christian and Taylor Rapp matching up with tight ends. You're going to have them, um, kind of trying to keep Lamar Jackson contained. Um, but they're both very good players. They have good, um, good awareness. Even, even though Rapp is a rookie, he does have good awareness and, um, He's, he's not going to bite too often. He is a rookie, so you're going to um, – the Ravens might try to take advantage of his inexperience and um, his lack of experience playing against an offense like this. But um, Rapp and Christian are both very good safeties against tight ends, um, so that's going to be a key matchup for the Rams, I think, this weekend. All right. I, we've, we've had these Know Your Foe episodes going on, obviously, throughout the year, and, and there, there seems to be a general feeling that each team has the athletes to match up with Jackson – uh, you know, in terms of the opposing guests mm-hmm. we have on this, the, the the Ravens actually per drive this year are, have the greatest scoring offense in the history of the National Football League. You probably know that. Yep. Uh, 3.41, just ahead of the 2007 Patriots. Um, is there anything that, you know, in terms of the speed the Ravens offense has, whether it's Hill or Marquise Brown or others, that the Rams will have trouble dealing with? Um. Troy Hill has good speed outside to, to match up with the receiver. Obviously, Ramsey is a great athlete, but he's better when he's being able to, to be physical with a bigger, uh, bigger wide receiver who um, is, is more physical and, and not reliant on his speed, which does kind of pose some problems for the Rams, and, uh, and that could cause some issues. But um, overall team speed, the Rams do have good speed. Um, like I said, with as many defensive backs as they do play at a time, 
Um, they're going to try to keep speed on the field as much as they can with these safeties, with these defensive backs. And um, it, it's, it's going to be a difficult matchup as it is every week for every team. But um, really, it, it's a forcing the Ravens to punt the ball, which they haven't done at all. They're on pace to have the fewest punts in NFL history in a season. There you go. It's, it's, I mean, forcing them to punt the ball is going to be crucial and um, just limiting the drives and getting them off the, off the field quickly. It's so difficult, but that's going to be such a key aspect of this game for the Rams and, and just keeping, keeping their possessions limited. Um, and, and like you said, how, how often they score points per drive. It's, uh, it's remarkable to, to watch. I think the Rams are in a better position to create, generate the negative plays that can help get the Ravens off the field. Cause that's the thing. They don't really have a whole lot of negative plays uh, they were sacked a little bit early in the year, but even some of their sacks are really run plays that go for zero or go for minus two or whatever, or it's already converted to the scramble. It's not a 15-yard sack very often that Jackson will take. If he's running backwards, he'll be able to get rid of the football and and not take that sack. Yeah, yep. Those negative plays are huge, and that's kind of Aaron Donald's forte with just how quickly he's able to get into the backfield. And whether he creates a negative play or helps another guy to, uh, to, to get one um, it, it's, it's a big part of their defense and um, just matching up what matching up with uh, with how well they've played their sixth in yards allowed per drive and then fifth in points allowed per drive. So um, the Rams defense has really taken a step forward and, and they have um, they have the talent to, to match up with the Ravens. It's still going to be incredibly difficult just because they haven't seen an offense like this all season. Um, not that there are many at all in the, any in the, in the NFL that are like this one, um, but they do have the defensive talent to uh, to match up with the Ravens. All right. Outstanding. Just an outstanding report. T- tell us who's the one player who you think matches up very well against the Ravens. And I'm going to say leave Aaron Donald out of this because he matches up well against everyone. Offensively or defensively? You pick. So um, you can even take one of each if you like. Yeah, I I honestly think that Taylor Rapp is going to have a huge role in this game. He matches up really well. Um, He's going to be on tight ends, but just his awareness in the box and his um, his short area quickness and his ability to react to what he's seeing is uh, it it replaces what a slower linebacker wouldn't be able to do. And I think that's going to be an important aspect of this game with how um, with how often that Lamar Jackson runs the ball. Taylor Rapp can can be that spy. Um, he can match up with tight ends. I know I've said that a few times, but um, the tight ends are such an important piece of their their offense that taking them away and limiting their production is is uh, is key. So I think Taylor Rapp is going to play a big role in this game. All right, very good. So let's uh, let's tell people again where can they find your work, your Twitter handle, anything else you want to plug. Take yep. us to where where you find Cameron De Silva. Yep, I'm on Twitter at Cam De Silva. Um, all my stuff is published on the ramswire.usatoday.com. You can follow them on Facebook at the Ramswire, and then uh, we're also on Twitter at the Ramswire. All right, great conversation. Thanks for joining us. I want to want to ask people to go out to filmstudybaltimore.com. Uh, still encouraging people to do film study shorts. So these episodes are long. We, we are concerned about the intimidating nature of these, although this is fantastic information. If you want to be part of a 10 to 15 minute episode, one, one highly focused question, uh, we'll talk about that as well. And uh, thanks for listening very much and uh, joining us. Cam, again, thanks. Terrific stuff. Thanks, Ken. I appreciate you having me on.
for the ones standing guard, for the eagle-eyed, for the knights in shining armor, and for all those who support them. We are Granger, your experienced safety partner, offering supplies and solutions for every industry, committed to helping keep your facilities safe and your people safer. Call, clickgranger.com slash safety, or just stop by. Granger for the ones who get it done. Some cars are comfy on the inside, but don't have power on the outside. And some cars have the horsepower, but none of the comfort. I used to think there weren't any cars that were the total package. But that all changed when I got my Honda SUV. It's rugged and sophisticated. And right now, Honda has deals on the entire Honda SUV lineup. CRV, HRV, Pilot, Passport, you name it. So if you're looking for a car that's the total package, the only place you'll find it is at your local Honda dealer. Hurry before they're all gone. Say goodbye to your credit card rewards. Greedy corporate mega stores, led by Walmart and Target are pushing for a law in Congress to take away your hard-earned cash back and travel points to line their pockets. The Durbin Marshall credit card bill would enact harmful credit card routing mandates that would end credit card rewards as we know it. If you love your credit card rewards, tell your lawmakers, hands off my rewards. Tell them to oppose the Durbin Marshall credit card bill. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Save big on your Memorial Day barbecue, all in the Kroger app. Get three-pound rolls of juicy 80% lean ground beef for $3.49 a pound with a digital coupon. Then get select varieties of flavorful Powerade, Body Armor Super Drink, or Arizona Tea for 77 cents each, all with your card. Shop these deals at your local Kroger, less than five miles away. Or tap the screen now to download the Kroger app to save big today. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Prices and product availability subject to change. Restrictions apply. See site for details.